Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan, uh, with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined always by my wonderful co-host, Sir Lucian, over at Sir Lucian Gaming. Say hello, sir. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thanks for the little follow there. I got a hosted by Scale and Scroll just as we were going live, so thank oh, you for that. Oh, very nice. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you, Scale and <laughs> Scroll. Uh, yeah, we have um, we have an afternoon from the UK, so that's always fun. We thank you so yeah. much for visiting us from uh, from <laughs> uh, the other side of the pond. Um, yeah, lots lots going on. It's a it's a little show we like to call Baldur's Gate Three. <laughs> All about Baldur's <laughs> uh, Gate Three. <laughs> but uh, so we we've got a lot of news to talk about. If you're new here, we're a Dungeons and Dragons uh, kind of just talk show conversation we talk about news and our feelings about things going on in the world of dungeons and dragons and tabletop games in general because uh as you will soon learn uh the show is called the DD show but boy we like a lot of rpgs um and we like video games and we like rpg video games so uh baldur's gate mm-hmm. 3 has gone early release yes uh early and access. so it has limited uh races limited classes and limited levels from my understanding like you can't get to the max level they have said that they're going to do right and limited story i think it's about story. a okay. third of the of the storyline they said i think i saw somewhere maybe 20-ish hours of actual gameplay is, is okay. ready to go um it's still a little rough here or there but That's yeah the also heard. couple yeah. of subclasses for each of the classes that you can pick Missing out of that list or like, I haven't seen Paladin yet. I haven't seen Druid. I don't know if they're, I, I assume they're coming, no but I don't know. Bard's my favorite. Uh, no Bard, hadn't seen a Bard. Yep, no Monk. Um, but there were some cool stuff in there. I've gotten to play several of them to bring you guys some of the, uh, you know, the the ins and outs of what what is there at the moment. So mm-hmm. that's been pretty good. Yeah. Got to play some multiplayer last night too to try some co-op. You can play the story through co-op with friends. And that was actually kind of fun. It's like this interesting game in between role-playing playing you know a tabletop game but then maybe playing a, a computer game like a diablo or a mmo mm-hmm. or a something this one kind of sits in the middle when you're doing this co-op so it's an interesting different uh feel to it so it's kind of fun too so um did you i didn't know if you were picking it up or you're waiting for maybe actual release or? i don't i don't know yet i i just know i don't have the time I want to put into it. So I was thinking maybe mm-hmm. Christmas, like I'm going to have yeah. like a couple weeks off at Christmas and maybe mm-hmm. that's when I'll be like, no, I think I'll buy it now so I can sit down and play it because playing it like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes at a time when I want to just sit down for two hours is going to be really hard. Uh, so uh, yeah, I don't know, but no, yeah, I, I, a... I have not picked it up. Um, yeah, okay. I, I uh, just don't have a lot of time for video games between, <laughs> Uh, my Everything. RPGs and the YouTube and work and baby. So, <laughs> yep. well, no spoilers from me. Um, and I, I did record a little bit of it. I did. I don't know if I'll put it up on the, on the channel or not. I'm debating on what I want to do. If I want to do some help videos or stuff, I might do some of that stuff as I dive into it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a narrative game. So expect, like you said, it's going to play a little bit slower. You're going to want to sit down and let it breathe a little bit. You know, you want to, your session will probably be a half hour to an hour before you really want to take a break. It's not like a jump in for 10 minutes, do a match and jump out exactly. like a lot of other video yeah. game kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's got a little bit, and it's definitely a very narrative game. So you, there's going to be, um, you know, you're talking to characters, but man, the character models are fantastic. I've never seen a better looking gif fighter 
up close talking to you, you know, mouth movements, facial expressions. Um, it It's amazing how well they did. The voice acting is really good and lots and lots and lots of dialogue. Um, rough around the edges here or there where camera angles don't quite do what they're supposed to or sometimes like the mouth won't move because it didn't trigger the way it was supposed to. So it's almost like you're just, you know, mind melding. Although the whole story is <laughs> about mind melding. So you kind of get a little bit into it. Um, you know, a few glitches here or there when I was training or doing something, a few glitches here or there when I was moving around. Camera movement seems to be a little rough. Yeah, still. I, I heard um, from a friend that they they attacked somebody um, and and uh, took the enemy out, but then the enemy was confused, or the 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 physics of him like dropping like backfired, and the whole thing went like and then shot up into the sky. And he's like, "Well, that's happened. It, he's gone." So <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you so, can't loot that. But it's, body it's a beta. You, you know, to. people are doing yeah. it. Early access is kind of funny because I feel like they they do these early accesses, and it's almost treated like a release. Like everyone mm. was really excited. And so when the actual game releases and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Like, I want to check it out. Uh, nobody's really streaming it anymore. A lot of the people that played it feel like they did get what they wanted out of it. Mm -hmm. um, and they might go back and like play through it again. But I don't know. It's just kind of uh, uh, with with streaming worlds. I mean, what we're mm -hmm. doing right now and all of the people on Twitch that are streaming video games and stuff when you do early access, you're increasing your revenue, I'm sure, because people are like, oh, I can get the game now. But the long term, I don't know, like, are will people remember this about Baldur's Gate 3 or will they remember the finished product later on? Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's by the people that did, you know, um, Divinity 2. Mm -hmm. And so you can kind of tell that. I think it's the type of game where you know there's going to be patches coming in and you know they're going to be fixing things as they go. I feel like everybody I've talked to kind of understands that a little bit. Um, it definitely wasn't ready just to be on the shelf on its own at this yeah. point. Um, so it's, I'm happy that they're still going to be polishing. While I got it, so I got it last week on like Tuesday when it dropped, there was already three hot fixes between then and now. So they're already have been fixing things just in the week's time, you know, yeah. started fixing some of the things, but like, yeah, S wilds talking about it a little bit, you know, like, and you had mentioned it just a minute every now and then the ragdoll physics of a body going down gets really weird. And the model mm -hmm. gets out of shape and it flies off the map or you can't find it or whatever. Um, every now and then your turn won't end. So you have to go back to a save point maybe, or like I was doing trading and gold was missing all of a sudden and not working quite right. Um, but it's little things and it's like you're, you're saving a bunch so you can kind of go back um, if something messes up. There's still frame rate issues after you've been playing for a few hours or if you go out of the game, you like want to alt tab out of the game and do something else and come back in. There's some frame rate stuff there. Um, but I think that's all stuff they'll fix. Yeah, yeah. Game wise, Dungeons and Dragons wise, get away from the whole computer thing. It's pretty good with interesting changes to fifth edition rules. Like it's got some things in there that you go, oh, this is interesting because it feels fifth edition. I made a wizard to start off and you have the option of going evocation or abjuration uh, when you hit your third level, which happens just like you would at third level. You get your spell no, you list and you can decide. Level. Sorry, second, sorry. <laughs> second. Um, I was thinking it was... Maybe it's cleric at third. You pick some clerics at first. Remember. One of them. Um, yeah, yeah, one of them. But <laughs> fighters at third. I'm trying to think. Yeah, fighter. fighter. You choose your fighting style because you get action That's surge at second level and fighter. Yeah. That's what it was. 
because I had those three in my group. I had a cleric, a wizard, and the fighter early on in the group, and you're leveling them all up. So you got a whole companion mechanics going on where you're picking up people that can play. Um, so that was kind of fun. The one thing that I've seen is they went a little bit more lenient on things you can do with a bonus action. So you feel like even at the early levels, almost everybody has some viable bonus action stuff to do, like a shove is really huge. You can do a bonus action shove and somebody might go, you know, five to 10 feet away. And that is a huge tactical opening for anybody to use when you don't normally have a bonus action to do something with. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's very interesting or a jump or a dash and those things are in there. So um, I, I don't know if you've, if you have played the Ranger yet. No, but like uh, I was reading on Reddit because there's a lot of people that were like, oh, my gosh, they they finally fixed the Ranger. And I wonder if these Ranger fixes will come into uh, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything um, as an alternate Ranger thing, because uh, they got and they had to. Uh, I don't want to say that this is good or bad compared to the original Ranger, because I don't know. Mm -hmm. I haven't played the game yet. But from what I was reading. Um, the ranger in the fifth edition manual is up to DM interpretation a lot. So it's like, you're good at tracking this. Well, what does that really mean? It kind of means like this and your favored terrain. And and so these, these kind of abstract ideas had to be more codified because it's a video game. And Mm -hmm. so people were like, no, this is great. Like you have very specific things that you can do ranger ish that make you feel more, like a ranger than the fifth edition ranger. So uh, I, I don't know. I was wondering if, if that's just a consequence of it being in a video game or if those would actually become more of a, a translated thing into uh, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything or maybe a sixth edition D&D or something like that. But mm-hmm. Just the overall combat mechanics. I just think they made a couple of tweaks to make sure that when you're playing this game, you have several options for each character. Whereas when you're playing Dungeons and Dragons early on, you might be feel like if you're a warlock, you're just going to hit Eldritch Blast and you're done with your turn, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a regular Dungeons and Dragons game quite a bit. But in this, it feels like you've got some other things you can do because they give you some more options of actions, bonus actions and things you can do. The other thing I noticed that that kind of sets things apart is like different weapons have different special abilities just by having the weapon. So if you have a big maul, you might have a smash ability. If you have a big two-handed sword, you have a cleave. Almost like a feat is attached to the weapon that you're just holding in your hand. So almost you get that, and you don't have to take anything else to do it, and now you can decide when you're going to use it. So giving you some more tactical advantages in, in a combat. It does a really cool job of like walking down a hallway, and your person will do a passive perception check. It'll roll the dice. And you'll see it, and then something will pop up on the screen that wasn't there before, like a button. And your guy will go, hmm, I wonder what this is. And you'll see that button <laughs> pop up. You click on it, and the, the secret door opens, and you're like, oh, that was super cool because that button wasn't there. Yeah. And, like, I was talking to my buddy who were kind of playing at the same time, and we go in in my game during a co-op. I say, hey, here's this button. Look, my, my player found it. I open it. We find this cool room. He brings his party over there in a single-player game all four of his guys missed the perception check. He can't get the button. So he oh. has to bypass that whole part because he doesn't get the perception check on that. So there's some interesting things happening there. There's dialogue trees that are going left and right that don't feel like you you could explore different things, even if you tried to play this game more than once. 
Like yeah. you make a couple of different decisions and your game can widely change depending on what you're doing, which companions you're bringing, which people you're working with and which equipment you use and grab and, you know, what spells you decide to use and things like yeah. that. So it's, and that it's was, really cool. That was like Neverwinter Nights. So it makes sense because it's a it's a, a D&D game. And uh, mm-hmm. I haven't played D- Divinity Original Sin 2, but I assume it's kind of similar. But yeah, like Neverwinter Nights, if I played that game as a wizard, I had a very different uh well i i should say a different in the sense of subquests if i played as like a druid right and i remember playing as a wizard and i got to like the druid enclave or circle in the woods and they were just like oh we don't want to talk to you you're not a druid and i instantly was like well i'm gonna have to replay this as a druid because i want to know what happens and like then you could (laughs) join that you know circle of druids and level up with them and become their leader eventually and that's really fun but you could only do that if you were playing a specific character skill checks are really cool because like yeah i was walking by a statue with my um wizard and he makes a passive history check because he's got the skill and it starts telling me about the statue when i play through it with the warlock i don't even have that as a skill so i walk past the statue and nothing happens i don't get any history on that statue at all and it just triggers you never quite know when it's going to trigger so cool it's really cool how passive skills and skills are working uh, how dark vision works how sneaking around and seeing where players sight is how to start fights um how to be pretty tactical shoving people off cliffs or shoving them into fire on the ground there's lots of environmental things that you can keep your eyes out like there'll be puddles of water and if you see enemies in the puddle of water, then you can hit them with a lightning bolt or a shocking grasp. And because they're in water, they're going to take more damage kind of thing. Sneak attacks and advantage are there and disadvantage. It feels very fifth edition, <clears throat> but a slightly different modified tuned up fifth edition that you're playing. So you, it's familiar, but there's some differences too. You, so it's, it's actually you, pretty cool. Do you think eventually they'll have... Um the ability to play as a dungeon master and, and kind of write your own scenarios. And then you and your party could literally like, you could play multiplayer, you know, Lucian and his friends mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, DM Jordan is, is dropping monsters on top of you or building things. Like, do you think they'll yeah. do that? Or is that, I think if they put in something like that was, it'd be like a dungeon creator. I could see it, but there's so much narrative and story and dialogue and people you're talking to it would be super hard for a dungeon master to be able to do all that stuff effectively. Like if you're trying to do a storyline, but if you said, I want to make a 20 level dungeon that has all this stuff and they just move through it. Yeah. I could see that for sure. I haven't seen anything about that. um, Yeah. I I haven't either. And I was wondering, but that was why I I loved about Neverwinter Nights is that's what people could take it and build their own thing. I built adventures in Neverwinter Nights. It was crazy. (laughs) So So pretty good. I enjoyed it. Character models are great. The story is great. I mean, you're meeting mind flares in the very beginning. The opening movie could be a Netflix show. Um, I'm, I'm impressed how well this D and D IP has been taken. Stay true to what the D and D IP is, not just use it because of its name, right? And then turn it into a lunch pail or turn it into you know whatever else product they have. The you can tell these people understand Dungeons and Dragons. They love role play games. They love the old Baldur's Gates and the Neverwinter Nights and the Icewind Dales. And they, they love all the other ones that came like the, you know, you can see a little bit of MMO stuff in there. You can see a little bit of that stuff. So I am pleasantly surprised even in early access, even with bugs so far, how cool it is and how fun it is to, 
to play. And co-op player is interesting. You can start a game up and you can create the characters and your buddies can join those characters, but they can make their own characters too. Mm -hmm. So like when I started my game last night and I had two friends on, they jumped in the lobby. Then it took us through the first movie screen to show us everything that was going on. Then it brought us to the character creation screen and they all had their character creation screen. So they made a dwarf cleric and one made a drow ranger or thief. And I made a, um, a warlock, uh, a half elf warlock. And then we woke up on the ship as it's flying, just like in the storyline and we're moving mm -hmm. along and we're going through the story. It picked up and had all three of us there and people were doing different things and shared inventories and all kinds of cool stuff. So there's some cool thought out co-op opportunity here to play. Um, that was really cool. So not to take the whole show up on Baldur's Gate 3, but it is Dungeons and Dragons related, which is super cool. Do I recommend somebody go out and spend the money? Only if you're willing to deal with the bugs that are there now, you realize you're not getting the finished product at this moment. Mm -hmm. um, do you want to wait till the finished product's out? There's no reason not to. There's no reason to say, hey, I'm just put this on my list. And when they when they go to full release, I'm ready to grab it. You don't have to jump in now to get anything special. Um, but if you want to get in now and take a look at it, it's actually pretty good and pretty fun. Enough fun and good that I'd be willing to do it early access and, and let it fix yeah. itself as it goes. Not all games are that way for me, but this one, this one is, so I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Uh, that's super cool. And uh, I'll roll well, up Ranger this weekend too. I'm going to try yeah. Ranger out this week. Yeah, Cause I've tried Warlock so far and the spell effects look really good. Warlock wizard. I've tried, um, a halfling fighter, which was really fun. Here's another thing that was super funny. My wizard, always rolls low on everything for whatever reason. So I keep missing all the time and my D 20s not hitting mm -hmm. my halflings hit twenties, every other role. It's like the luckiest character I've ever seen. Every, well, every other yeah. role. He's like 20, 20, 20. He's a, he's a happy halfling. <laughs> so he's happy so. halfling. So, pretty, <laughs> so. pretty cool. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, we have some dragon talks that came in. Um, yeah, there was, a bunch. uh, th well, there were, well, you say a bunch, like there were two, right? And normally there's like one every other week or oh, one okay. a month or something yeah, like we, that. Versus... We had a sage advice with Jeremy Crawford and then just a dragon talk with Chris Perkins and Chris Perkins, mm -hmm. is, they're still promoting Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. So he was talking about that. Um, but it kind of, the conversation kind of shifted into like, how do you do this? How do you like, uh, do this for a living kind of a thing? Like, like make yeah. D and D content or just RPG. How do you content? go work for wizards? Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I think it was coincidentally something's going on. There's a lot of openings happening at wizards. Either they're expanding or I'm, I don't really know. Uh, that's going to be another fun show where we find out like what is actually happening. But, um, some people I, I have a few or, friends yeah. that are applying for this job, but like, it yeah, would be really cool. cool. So it's kind of cool because he was saying in that, uh, short dragon talk, like back in the day, he would, people would make a lot of zines. Or they would make, uh, or they would try to get published in Dragon Magazine. Like, here's an adventure in Dragon yeah. or Dungeon Magazine. Dragon but now with the Dungeon. DMs Guild, you can publish a lot of stuff, and people are doing Kickstarters for interesting things, and that's what they want to see. They want to see that you're actively like working in the industry in some capacity, whether that's like I'm creating zines, or I'm doing DMs Guild content, or I'm I'm making this third party book, or or for D and D, or just I'm making an RPG in general. So I was it was kind of interesting. Uh, I. 
I don't know. The more I the more I look at Wizards of the Coast, I really thought I wanted to work there for like a long time, and now I'm like, I think I just want to do my own thing. Like, I think it's kind of more fun to be my own boss, and like maybe I'll just make the content I want to see, as opposed to yeah. trying to make content for other people. But, uh, but that was really cool. And Chris Perkins, I like him. He's a good guy. He, you know, just had good advice of like work hard mm-hmm. and keep writing, basically. So. Yeah. And it was a heavy emphasis that they're looking at DMs Guild now. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at something as, you know, 10 years ago, that wouldn't have been viable. But right now, if you're really looking for it, you know, try to do some stuff on DMs Guild. Try to get into some of those other groups that are getting together. I mean, um, we've seen friends of ours on, you know, that have been in our shows before, done anthologies of things or come together with a group of people that are writing short stories that then get published on DMs Guild mm-hmm. or other places like uh, Drive Through RPG kind of thing. And I think um, there's a few other game companies that are starting to do that too. I got an email from Modifius that they were talking about, they wanted to do a survey and the whole survey was on if they offered a, you could write your own adventures for their game sets and then they would host them and they would do some revenue sharing. So basically their own DMs guild kind of thing, if people would be interested in that. So they're throwing out surveys about, hey, if we did this, would you guys jump on board? And I answered all that stuff like, yeah, heck yeah. I'd, I'd write Star Trek adventure, you know, uh, adventures or something and put it up on their, whatever they call their things besides DMs guild or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. So very yeah, cool. no, it's kind of fun because uh, uh, at least with the DMs guild and drive through, well, not drive through RPG, but the DMs guild is, um, it's profit sharing. So, you know, they take 50% of the profits, but like you, there's the medium to like actually publish it immediately. And you get to use uh, the intellectual property. And that's, what's really fun is like, I can drop monsters and references to this and Faerun and all that other stuff. And I like that a lot. So um, yeah. some of the, well, big, and the, the oh, infrastructure for the website, like they're yeah. putting up the infrastructure for the website. Exactly. You, all the search engines that are going to help find it. They're going to do, you know, all the, the advertising of that and all these people coming together. So, I mean, that makes sense that they get something 50, you know, I'd love to see a different little profit share. I think the creator should always get the most of anybody. So it'd be cool if it was like a 40, 60 or a 30, 70 or a, you know, I don't know, but something in there, they should get some of that. I, I agree. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Although I was talking with um, the a friend who does comic books and she was just like, oh man, 50% is great. Like you have no idea. Like Apple, like you try to publish your comic on like Probably, Apple yeah. books and stuff. <laughs> you're, you're giving them the majority of that money. So yeah. uh, companies are greedy. They can be greedy. Um, the other, this was really cool though. We went into Sage Advice and they talked a lot about mm-hmm. sidekicks and sidekicks was brought into the uh, essentials that came out which was yes. kind of like the starter box verp 2.0 right down there. And uh, with that, you can like basically, I don't know. You can, you can have sidekicks. I don't know how else to describe it. They're just like simpler characters that augment your current party. So if you want to play D and D with like two people, but nobody wants to be a healer, you can have a healer sidekick. And in mm-hmm. Tasha's cauldron of everything, they're going to give rules that take sidekicks up to 20th level. So that's really cool. And you can play a lot more like single D and D or two person D and D and still kind of get a full campaign experience this way. What was amazing. And what stood out to me is they, they said that they have these sidekick rules where you can apply class templates on top of monsters. So he said, Jeremy Crawford, that any monster that is CR one half or lower could potentially get these uh, 
the sidekick options applied to them. So he, they kept bringing up like a wolf. So you could have a wolf, you know, CR one half creature. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that. But you could have a wolf and then you could apply barbarian levels to it or cleric levels to it. You could have this like clerical healing wolf. And it was really subtle. But he said kind of straight up that we've basically expanded the playable race options in D&D to be every monster CR one half or lower. So if you want to be like this blows my mind for writing new adventures because I could take these sidekick rules hypothetically and you guys could be a team of magical squirrels that need to like save your acorns from something else using uh, D&D rules. Sorry, my phone's ringing. So like using D&D rules uh, and that is huge. Like Tasha, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything is really going to change a lot of gameplay for D&D 5th edition. And mm-hmm. as a content creator, like as writing adventures and stuff, man, like we were talking uh, maybe a month ago, maybe a little less about having like a familiar campaign where like, oh no, my wizard got captured and now it's up to my familiar to like figure out how to save me. Well, using this system, you could potentially have the bat and the owl and the rat all working together and they could have mm-hmm. class levels on top of them. So yeah. uh, that blows my mind. Like that's so fun and so cool. So I don't yeah. know. And a great way to expand a game in yeah. a lot of ways. It, it reminds me too, because um, we say sidekicks too, but the other term that you would have heard back in the older editions would have been minions, henchmen, Back in the in the earlier, you know, first editions of Dungeons and Dragons, you guys were so weak that you wanted to hire a couple of people to be meat shields for your party yeah. so that you could actually get through something, you know. So you had the henchmen were a real thing. Whereas now, you know, uh fifth edition adventures are basically like superheroes, so it's not as big of a need. But when we were playing uh, Tomb of Annihilation, we had ran into a guard in the jungle beat up his people that had hired him and then kind of at the end of it he's like he kind of drops his weapon he's like hey i was just hired to guard these guys but you guys basically whooped them so at this point i've got no skin in the game anymore i I don't want to fight you guys i don't want to die and i was like well my my character kind of looked at that guy and says well i'll tell you what i'll hire you just like they hired them you protect me and you make sure nothing sneaks up behind me and i'll pay you a portion of my treasure that i get out of this tomb of annihilation that we're going to mm-hmm. and it's just an npc guard so he went around with us this whole time by thor and became a part of our adventuring party in a, in a way um as a henchman to my guy who had hired him and i thought oh that was super fun and it and it brought back those memories of the older older versions of dungeons and dragons for me so in our last session just this last tuesday we rescued some statues that we realized weren't statues but were people that had been turned to stone we found a way to turn them, not to try to spoil anything in Dungeon the Mad Mage. And I saved a Kenku. And now I was talking to our Dungeon Master. I said, hey, can we play around with the new sidekick rules? The ones that are in the essential for right now. But then when Tasha's come out, we could expand it just to play around with them. Because me and our Danimal, my Dungeon Master from Australia for that game, we like to play around with all the stuff Wizards put out just to see how things work. So we'll use UA articles. We'll use, you know, new rule sets and just see, you know, how they affect the game and stuff. So he's like, yeah, let's try that out and see how it works. And so we're going to get a, a true, I'm going to have a Kenku uh, expert from those rules where it's more of like a rogue or a, a jack of all trades kind of 
character as I bump mm -hmm. my mic around. And uh, we're going to see how the rules come out. So it's even though we're a pretty full party, we're not using it just to fill out a party. But I think that's cool because it adds something into the game, like an animal companion or, you know, somebody you pick up and then stays with you just adds to the whole richness of the story. So I'm excited to see, you know, kind of where that goes. Yeah. Um, I like it. I also like the idea that they mentioned in that video that says, if you want somebody who's brand new to Dungeons and Dragons, but you don't want to overwhelm them, you don't want to hand them a third level character sheet and say, okay, I'm going to show you how to play Dungeons and Dragons. This would be great. Here's your third level battle master fighter. Yeah. Here's all the stuff you can do because it's going to be fun and cool. You could use one of these easier character, almost like a stat block character, a sidekick character, couple of things they have to worry about they'll get better as they go there's only one thing they're going to get better at so it's easy for them to learn if they do go yeah. from level one to level two it's not a big deal and it eases them into the game and then you can start saying well now here's the player's handbook look at all this stuff you can mm -hmm. do now that you said you really liked it and you want to play more yeah. so I, I like that idea of it too yeah like you don't need as a new player like i don't need to know what a proficiency bonus is and i don't need to know this i need to know that i roll this d20 and i oh look my spear has a plus five next to it i need to know that i add five when i make a spear attack and that's kind of what this is doing like very simple yeah. and then but you're right as you're playing you're like oh my oh my goodness i've got my spear attack and i've got these two spells well, if you want to build a real character, like here's another 10 spells you could choose from yeah, because you're, you're, you're level one or level two or something. And it's like, oh, and so it's a it's a fun way of just getting them hooked, you know? Yeah. And because, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm totally a dealer when it comes to dealing. Yeah. So well, and the <laughs> one other thing they mentioned is the in and out player, the player that's only going to play every other session or the player mm -hmm. that's going to come once a month. But you still want them in the party and in the group. Um, you could have this sidekick character that they get to play, which is still fun and still affects everything as a fly flies around in my studio. What's oh, going on? Goodness, <laughs> cats and dogs living together. Yes. Mass hysteria. Oh my God. Um, they could just play that sidekick character and then that character's there with the group and still playing with the other people that play every week. And it's not as big a deal for that person to just kind of be right. following around. But and when that person comes over to play and they just are there's a social game we all like to just get our friends together and play with this because not only were we playing a game but we were socially meeting and socially yeah. coming together and getting to you know lots of people like that even if they're not into the game they might agree to play a dungeons and dragons game just to be able to hang out with their friends for a couple hours yeah even if they didn't like it that much they'd be like well you guys are hanging out drinking beer eating pizza right i want to do that too i'll play your game while we're doing that because i get to hang out with you guys right so um yeah i'm Very getting cool. a my sage advice is unstable. dragon talk oh go ahead yeah. sorry i was just it saying looks I'm, like you're, you guys are going back and forth back and forth you're becoming very <laughs> robotic as you speak and i'm and i so i apologize to uh oh. the people on the stream i hope everything's working out okay stream health says it's okay but i think twitch is good yeah so i apologize uh but yeah you went robotic there for a minute but we're, we're still here we're still here so <laughs> cool well there was one other video on wizards of the coast so we had a sage advice we had two dragon talks and then they put out just out of the blue hey why you should play dungeons and dragons video so i i posted it on our uh discord to see any reaction out there what did you think of it when you watched it what what was your thoughts um, no, it was fun. Uh, it was kind of a, uh, I, I noticed specifically it took you to the wizards of the coast.uk. So I think they're trying to like, basically like, Hey, UK people like have fun play. 
Um, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it was just a fun explaining video. Uh, apparently, like another company, Vox, did a better one, I feel though, where they explained like the process of D&D &D, and then also like, holy cow, this is why it's really fun. Uh, and it's so simple. And then they interviewed a bunch of people kind of quickly about like, yeah, I'm I'm playing like a, a halfling this or something and just how silly it can be and how, how open and fun it can be. But uh, yeah, they had this video. What were your thoughts? Mm -hmm. uh, are you still there? Yeah, I yeah. thought the only okay. thing that stood out to me that was interesting is just, I am. I, yeah, keep going. <laughs> We've got lag, yeah. On my side, it's good. So just, I'm going to keep talking while we're going. Yeah, yeah. so um, I thought it was really interesting i thought the timing was interesting why on you know october whatever is kind of in a weird spot that 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 got posted um i always enjoy listening to somebody with an accent for whatever reason so it was engrossing in that way but i did think they they leaned on what is fifth edition's quintessential uh term at this point is it's a you know it's a story driven game these days it's a it's all about the story and the story you create and all this and the, and they lean so heavily onto that part that I'm beginning to miss leaning heavily into the game part. Like we were talking a little bit before the show, everything's about the story these days and, and we forget how fun of a game it actually is. And there's a game to it and it has game mechanics that are fun and keep us engrossed. And I, I don't think they tout that as much as they did before. He's going to go like reset his router, I bet. So I felt like they didn't really point those parts out anymore. Whereas when people talk about Dungeons and Dragons and fifth edition, they talk more about the story and the narrative and the collaborative um, way that you can play the game and they leave out, you know, the game stuff. So I don't know if anybody else saw that or, or thought that that was just my take on it. Um, I thought it was interesting. I thought the timing was interesting, but it's always good to have bring in new players. And it always reminds us older players, Hey, there's still people that are brand new to the game that have never played and have no idea what you're talking about. I just had a friend jump into Baldur's Gate with us three because he likes to play computer games. He doesn't know anything about Dungeons and Dragons. So he had all kinds of questions. And like I it reminded me that there's still lots of people out there who have never played Dungeons and Dragons or an RPG at all, you know, like a, a tabletop RPG. So were you able to reset your router or what? Uh, no, the wife was streaming oh, Disney Plus, so I asked her oh, to stop. Disney Plus! <laughs> and I think that's really going to solve some of our problems. So, limited bandwidth. Well, um, don't, so I apologize. Don't deny her back. her Disney Plus, though. Well, She's watching it, Mandalorian or something. Uh, no, DuckTales. So DuckTales. <laughs> Quality show, guys. Quality show, though. DuckTales. Um, I, uh, uh, we, I recently, sorry, tangent, but uh, I recently bought a... It was on sale for $5, but it was called the Disney Afternoon uh, Channel oh, okay. Games. And it was the 1989 to 1992 DuckTales games, Darkwing Duck, Tailspin, NES games that they are now on Steam. And so we've been playing that. So the nostalgia hit and she's like, oh, I want to watch like original DuckTales. Oh, it's on Disney Plus. So, yeah, mm -hmm. but I was like, what is happening? And then it dawned on me that I was like, oh, she's probably watching cartoons. So we're, we're back. I think we're okay now. Stream says it is healthy. Which is a good thing on Saturday morning. You should watch cartoons. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so I covered for you while you were gone. Um, I talked about that. I think we're good to move on to your favorite. Uh, when we talked about taco, I can't believe you still call it taco. But <laughs> Yeah, taco. Um, well, you were talking about like some Kickstarters and stuff. We can move on. I actually don't have a bardic inspiration today. I'm sorry, but oh. uh, well, yeah. 
I did find a couple of things that were mostly D&D related. <clears throat> Last week, we talked about a few Kickstarters. There is another role-playing computer game coming out that's based on fifth edition rules called Solasta. Mm. Uh, I hadn't heard of it before. S-O-L-A-S-T-A. You can look it up. It's not in early access yet, but it's going to be. It plays like a Baldur's Gate game. It's using, they got the rights to use the 5.1 SRD rules from Wizards of the Coast. So Wizards of the Coast said for your game, you're allowed to use the 5.1 rule set that they have out, version 5.1 of the base the SRD, which is the edition. system reference document, yeah. Yeah. So they have to build a whole new world. They have to build their own races and classes that aren't in the SRD. Um, but they can use the fifth edition rule set. And it looks actually really well. And I had not heard of it at all until I started looking up videos of Baldur's Gate 3. And these started popping up in my YouTube area. So maybe keep an eye on that. I'll bring that around to you because it's fifth edition related and adjacent. I felt like it could be on the show. Uh, 5ED. Oh, and what I also liked about it was they were going to create a new world and their own new lore. And I'm always excited to see new world, new lore and fifth Mm -hmm. edition stuff. So I thought that could be really cool. And if it's successful, will we see more people maybe do like an Eberron one? Or will we get one that's built on the cipher system with the Monty? I could see Monty Cook letting their game get licensed out too. If these RPGs come back in force, like if Baldur's Gate brings back, you know, that audience, if uh, Divinity Original Sin is bringing back that audience. If this Solasta brings back that audience for these type of tactical real-time strategy role-playing game RPGs, mm-hmm. maybe we see more. Maybe we see Cypher System. Maybe we see... We, there's Pathfinder. There's Kingmaker, right? For Pathfinder, I think is the name of their yeah. one that they did with Matt Mercer was you know touting that one too. So maybe we're about to hit a renaissance of these computer games that are based on tabletop rules... And we could get a Tales from the Loop. Yeah. We could get or, kids on bikes. Or just you know, those, whatever. Yeah, or just those worlds. I mean, look at the yeah. Warhammer franchise. Like, exactly. they take the Warhammer idea and they make all kinds of different games with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're doing that with D&D. Like, we're going to get that, uh, that Dark Alliance game that's going to come out eventually, which mm-hmm. is not Baldur's Gate 3. It's not 5th edition rules, but it's no. like the world of D&D or the world of Forgotten Realms. And I would love like a, a sci-fi Numenera game where I'm, you know, sailing ships with electronic sails. And I don't know, like that, that could be a lot of fun. Yeah, so Spelljammer version. Well, yeah, Spelljammer is awesome. But uh, if there, <laughs> if there's a, yeah, if there's a world for that, like who knows, mm-hmm. you know, that could be a lot of cool. So, or if, so sorry, if there's a market cool. for those worlds, which yeah. I think there is. Uh, but I don't know if, um, I don't know, like it, it, you would just have to be, it would have to be the right game. Cause I don't think I want to play a straight, uh, Numenera system as it is in the game. Like I wouldn't want to just be like rolling my D 20 because part of the fun of Numenera is the story. The world's fantastic, but if they could do some kind of like, I don't know, Fallout type of third-person game where I'm exploring the world of Numenera and, like, finding different ciphers and those are the equipments that you're adding. Like, I would be all about that. So mm-hmm. that could be a lot. Well, of and they did one that was called Planescape and they did one that was yeah, called Planescape Torment. Else that was very, that was really yeah, Planescape Torment. So we're starting to see a resurgence. of them. I think we had them in the 90s and early 2000s and then they went away. And now I think they're kind of making a comeback is, is what I'm thinking we're seeing. And if Baldur's Gate really brings that audience in, I think we'll see more of them. Probably, cool. yeah. 
A couple of Kickstarters I saw that were starting, getting ready to start that I thought people might be interested in. God Forsaken by Monty Cook Games is a uh, fifth edition relevant, you know, role play. It's or actually, it was a fantasy cipher system one, but they are going to have some stuff that can tie into some of the other systems. But it was a cool look at all the different fantasy type realms you could use and use cipher system to run them. Um, because a lot of times, like we associate sci-fi games with cipher system because of Numenera is a little bit more sci-fi-ish than fantasy. Um, I think Godforsaken is going to bring that back around and say, here's here's a book that shows you all that. I've, yeah. I've already purchased mine. Can't wait to flip through it and see how that goes. Yeah. It uh, looks cool. It says I'm, dragons, magic wands, singing swords, and flying carpets. Like I'm, I'm yeah. all about all of that. So that's really fun. Yep. And then there's um, Grim Hollow was another one I saw, which I thought was very interesting. And I think that one's a control click to get that to go. So Grim Hollow, um, another one to keep a lookout for players guide um, already funded, but you can jump in and see if you wanted to get into it too. I like the artwork fifth edition compatible stuff. Um, another world to take a look at. So I thought that was interesting. And then there was one more. We'll probably put some of these links up in, in the video um, Black Storm Realms was another one. So there's another one that's up on Kickstarter. Yeah, Black Storm Realms is the um, so Ted from Nerd Immersion is working on this, uh, yeah. and it's the uh, it's kind of the like Spelljammer that's not Spelljammer. Like it's space, and there's like mm-hmm. space dwarves mining with air bubbles around them and stuff like that. Yeah, um, but it's not sci-fi. They're not using the fifth edition rule set mm-hmm. to make a sci-fi. So, but it's still five E. But yeah. it is five E. Yeah. So. But I, I, I always equate it with uh, you have Pathfinder and Starfinder, mm-hmm. and that's the same system, but very different game. So you're not yeah. necessarily – well, and I haven't played Starfinder, but you're not necessarily casting Fireball because of that. But there might be an equivalent kind of thing. But no, yeah, yeah I get but, you. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean, I guess. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this, this uh, Black Storm Realms is straight up uh, you, fantasy in space. So it's more mm-hmm. akin to Spelljammer where you are a wizard flying a ship through the air, you know, through space and time and blah, blah, blah. So uh, yeah. it looks really cool. And the art looks really amazing for Black Storm Realms. But yeah, mm-hmm. not sponsored. We just think they're cool. Yeah. So just three three items that I thought might help you expand your 5e campaign building world or minds to say, oh, I like this. Maybe I'll bring it into my game. Or maybe you like it enough and you want to run a game or a campaign inside these upcoming worlds. So yeah. Very cool. So that's what I had as far as that was out there Kickstarter wise and videos that are out on the Wizards Coast. Um, anything that any other news you had? I don't know. Nope, that's saw anything it. Else. So uh, I, I don't have a bardic inspiration um, because I just was very tired this morning. Uh, we can do that or we can jump straight to games and save that for next week. What would you prefer? I, I'll do mine real quick. Oh, let's do it. All right, Bardic Inspiration. I want to hit my button. And, I mean, right. who knows? Maybe I'll be very inspired. So <laughs> You'll have one. Um, well, this is one that you might say, I'm waiting for you to challenge me on it. So here's the Bardic Inspiration for me this week. Journey to the center of the world, right? And mm-hmm. I'm waiting for Jordan to say, well, Lucian, I feel like this has been on the list before. You're uh, yeah, using it's, Bardic Inspiration. Lucian, this has been on the list before. So. Somewhere. But here's the twist. Oh, okay. How would you run your campaign if it was Journey to the Center of Faerun specifically? So let's put it in Faerun. 
let's put it in the quintessential at this point, fifth edition uh, D&D world. Mm-hmm. What does your inside of Faerun look like? It's a good question. See there. So while you're thinking, so to me, I was thinking a lot of times we might come up with other stories we've heard about going to the center of earth and playing all these other stories. But what do we think is at the center of, we know there's under dark, we know there's, you know, under mountain gives us a little bit of an idea, but what's really going to happen if you travel to the center of Faerun, what are we going to find? How many layers of old forgotten civilizations are there? Are we going to go back in time and see dinosaur land like you would with an earth? Or is it going to be a, a hollow earth where you get through the crust and then it's like a sun in the center and it's this world around the inside? Are you going to go that route? Or are you going to go with, is there um, something more of like the elemental planes exist in there in certain parts? And, and uh, you know, so how would you want to run this? For me, I always wanted to do the empty center earth where there's the Hollow sun earth, in yeah. the center of it and you're out on the outside ring of the crust of it. So it's just like two worlds that live on a crust around, you know, a, a sun-like uh, entity of some sort. Mm-hmm. And I think that would be a really fun way to describe how Faerun is and how it's very different than earth or very different than, you know, some of the other things and keep it really really interesting i think that's the way i would go with it but what about you guys what about jordan yeah uh i mean you know we we talk about like uh the so okay i've got a lot of things going through my head uh one i think of um kyber in eberron so uh eberron and kyber are two dragons and they fought and Mm. in order for eberron to win he wrapped himself around Kyber. So the world below is called Kyber. And it's basically, I mean, I don't want to say basically the Underdark. It's the idea when you go down into the earth, you're entering into the depths of Kyber. And Kyber is evil and full of demons. So like, we have a very uh, Christian mythology of Mm -hmm. hell is below us and heaven is above us. And so the idea that uh, below the earth is you know, where the evil lurks and Mm -hmm. Eberron is a reflection of that because Kyber is evil. And so demons don't necessarily come from the abyss or the nine hells, like these other planes they're, they're below us. But what if you combined that idea with the idea of the abyss? And so what if, uh, as you're going further down into the underdark of Faerun, you're actually coming to, to, uh, uh, the far realm. We don't talk about the Far Realm a lot, Mm. but like that is this weird gravitational force that's actually holding Faerun together. But at the same time, it's an outlet for uh, aberrations and mind flares and things like that. These weird creatures from the abyss that come bubbling up every once in a while because they mysteriously escape the Far Realm. And that also kind of explains why there's so many aberrations in the Underdark, because we don't really know where they come from. So if it was just the further you go, the less earth you are getting, the less uh, uh, physical substance and the more squishy tentacle weirdness. Aberration. Aberrations and stuff. Yeah. So that could be really cool. And so to get to the far realm, we don't really know how to get to the far realm. And in Forgotten Realms mythology, the more you study the far realm, the more insane you go to the point where you can't translate that and teach other people. So uh, 
that would be an interesting way of like, if we just dig long enough, guys, we're going to hit it. Yeah. And whether that's a good or bad thing, I don't know. And that's a whole campaign. Think about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I so. like that. And the, the one other thing I thought to make the hollow earth idea a little interesting. What if it's really like, um, just like in Stranger Things, where it's an exact copy of the crust on the outside, but it's all like black and white and it's, and things are different in such a way that it's really odd, right? So everything is like, just when you go to the underdark or you go to the underneath or you go to the in-between or, you know, whatever, it's still there. The cities are like uh, Baldur's Gate is there. Baldur's Gate on this side, but there's something fundamentally different about Baldur's Gate here. It's like that alternate universe almost happening. That's kind of like the Shadowfell too, but yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, everybody on the other side is Nicolas Cage film noir Spider-Verse. Yeah, so So you have bad mustache people on the yes. inside and then you have evil <laughs> yeah, yeah. so yeah like you could go to yeah the star trek evil universe mirror universe route or something like that yeah just to add another touch of something cool but i like your idea of the deeper you go the more abhorrent it gets the more cthulhu it gets the more tentacly it gets mm-hmm. and that could be a super fun creepy adventure yeah. campaign for you and maybe the friends. center of the world is just a large aberration that is sleeping holding the world together you know um, everyone's left handed things shade is our I, I no longer like you anymore if you hate strangers things that's it we're enemies man we're just enemies <laughs> so uh i i recently purchased uh the rules cyclopedia which is the oh. basic expert advanced original D rules uh and in 91 or something they took all of those old rules which weren't really selling very well anymore and they bundled it with uh the hollow world uh, campaign setting. I don't know if oh, you okay. knew this, but there was yeah, yeah. a campaign oh, setting called yeah. Mistara that was the hollow world. And it wasn't very fully developed, but it was one of the worlds that you could play in, um, mm-hmm. in the world of Dungeons and Dragons back in the day. Uh, I ordered that as a, a print on demand from drive through RPG and it should be here in a couple days. Um, but I'm really excited to a, uh, I'm really curious about game design. So to study some of the original D and D, um, and why we have things like dungeon crawls, because dungeon crawls really make more sense with original D&D than they do later on. And there's things that have carried on that doesn't really work. Uh, but I, I'm also excited to read that Hollow World book as I'm as the channel is branching out into doing more. You know, I've just did mm-hmm. Spelljammer videos and I'm kind of covering Greyhawk a little bit here and there. And, and so that'll be really fun. But uh, yeah, I'll let you know how it is, because there's a whole there's a whole campaign setting kind of devoted to what you want. Uh, And I've always loved that the sun in the center. uh, It's kind of a a fun idea. And, and uh, Zris even says like, reminds me of a Dyson sphere, which is that. Yeah. Yeah. Sci-fi version of it where it's like, we're going to encapsulate the entire power of a sun and live on the inside of this big. Yeah. And it would be cool if your characters could kind of see the curvature too, enough that they know, like, it's not just, it's so big that they don't know, but it's, it's relevant and they can see it and they wonder about it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I think that'd be cool. 
So that is Bardic Inspiration for this week. Go ahead, all of you that have your Bardic Inspiration, let us know what your Bardic Inspiration was or give us your ideas on the, you know, traveling to a center of a world, whatever world you'd want to do or how you would do it, how you would make it interesting for your, your group, how you would run the campaign. What cool rules would you use? Would you add any more environmental rules? Would you mess with gravity in some way? Would you do some other cool stuff? So let us know in the video comments because we love to read them or out on Twitterverse where we check our Twitters. Yeah, there's a fun uh, plane of existence in Planescape called Bitopia where the ceiling is another uh, planet or another world. And then you're down on the Earth too. And I say Earth, Mm -hmm. but you're on like a physical plane. And when you get to that halfway point, gravity reverses itself and you fall the other way. Uh, It's kind of interesting. So like you should, mm-hmm. yeah, read up on some stuff because if you're Very interested cool. in that idea of like, you know, weird gravity planes and stuff, Bytopia is, Bytopia is kind of a cool place. So, Very cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, what games ahead. did Jordan play? Because I got to dominate um, Bardic Inspiration this week. So I think we could start with Jordan's game. Yeah. I hear you might have played a game or two. Uh, I played three games. It's very exciting. Whoa. It was a busy day three or a games. busy week of D&D or of RPGs. So uh, I did my Wild Mount game, which is a lot of fun, playing again tonight. Um, and we jo- fought... Joshe? Joshe Manu Manu, Joshe? the Manu. Conjuration Wizard, Tiefling, uh, Blue, Yellow Horns. Very cool. Uh, <laughs> I love this character. Uh, we're level 10, so we're running around having a good time. I'm using some Unearthed Arcana spells. Uh, we are in the north of Wildmount. I forget the name of the exact city, but it's kind of fun to have all of this planned out. Like, no, you're in this city. It's population this. I forget how useful uh, campaign mm-hmm. settings are. And obviously I play a lot in the Forgotten Realms, but the Forgotten Realms has had a lot of people to flush it out. And I'm yeah. very impressed that Matt Mercer has has done this basically with just him and his friends. And they yeah. have a very, anyway, really cool. Uh, but we are... My, so my DM, Nathan, just got the uh, the Shardalon dragon from uh, Rime of the Frostmaiden. Huge mini. And if you follow me on Instagram, I posted some photos of it. Um, and he's got like a light up table. It's really cool. But mm-hmm. he was so excited to drop that on us. So we were running around mm-hmm. following some clues and we found this giant Shardalon construct dragon And then uh, it got accidentally released and we had to fight it. So we have a bunch of photos of like tiny little Josh Josh A fighting gargantuan dragon. Uh, We came out, we won, we came out on top. It was a lot of fun. So, but that was, Mm -hmm. that was fun. And I think, I always think about that, how, how fun it is when you have a group of players to be like, hold right there and go into the other room and you come back with this, you know, dinner plate of a mini and people are like, what? And so we were making all these jokes. We're like, that's not a mini, that's a maxi. So that was fun. <laughs> um, Rod of Seven Parts is going really well. We are, uh, they had, our friends had to go back to Baldur's Gate um, to stop a tornado. Uh, and it turns out that there was a portal open that was causing a bunch of wind to run around. And I like creative players. So my uh, Ted used his telekinesis spell to create like some hands of force to push the plane back together. And he was trying to do it that way. It was, it was, it was creative. And so we did some Arcana rolls to kind of back it up and it worked and that was fun. And then when the portal was stable, they decided to augment it by using the rod of seven parts to really channel a new portal. And that one ended up closing and they opened a portal to the plane of air. So they're really confused because they, 
wind was coming out of this other portal and they're like, well, wasn't that the plane of air? Like, what did we do? Did what? Hmm. And so they were really like, <laughs> what, what? And they, it was interesting. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We're not playing this next week because uh, LB's out of town, but we will be playing uh, the following week and decide and probably visiting the plane of air or just kind of going from there. Um, and then last night I ran my Wait. Halloween kids on bikes game. But did they put the rod together? No, that's not what yet. We're waiting for I mean, it every I'm still, week. <laughs> still really wanting them to do that. But okay. uh, every time they do it, they're just like, I don't know, it seems dangerous. And then they don't do it. So I'm like, oh, whatever. Uh, but I, I have plans to help them do that. Um, and then I ran my, my annual Halloween Kids on Bikes game. This is the third time we have run a Halloween Kids on Bikes game. And I was telling Lucian before the show, the game did not mm-hmm. go how I had planned. Uh, but that is RPGs. Like we were, I was, it just kind of occurred to me while I was like, well, you know, it didn't really happen like this, but that's, that's other people being influencing your story and your art and whatever, what you want to call it. Uh, Mm -hmm. We had a lot of fun. And so at the end of the day, it's like, did you have fun? They had a lot of fun. The story did not go how I thought it was going to go, but it kept me on my toes. And ultimately our players were, uh, ultimately the, the game was that, kids were disappearing from the school and we kind of learned that for people time was going backwards. And so uh, you could look at an old photo and be like, Oh, this was taken three days ago. And this person's like 50% not there, but in the present they're all the way gone because they're like being faded away from time. But then time was accelerating in the opposite direction. And so our our players were just like, it's a time explosion. What are we going to do? So they had to stop the case of the time explosion. And it was a lot of fun. So that I recorded. And you guys will be able to listen to that uh, once I finish editing and kind of cleaning up the audio. Uh, I'm going to put that on uh, my Patreon. And then eventually I will put it here on the Saturday Morning D&D Show as audio. And you can listen to that um, probably around Halloween. So stay tuned for that. Should be a lot of fun. Coming up soon. Yep. Lots of fun. We have three minutes left. What do you want to talk about? Well, I played uh, a Dungeons and Dragons game. Uh, <gasps> Let's talk about I that. I played Baldur's Gate 3 a ton, <laughs> but I also played uh, Dungeons and the Mad Mage. We played. We did it. We uh, got through level two. Uh, we are now moving down. Oh, you did get, three. you're now in level three. We finally, wow. finally made it. Um, we leveled up. So I took my multi-class into Cleric, the Twilight Cleric. Um, from the UA article, we'll see if it's going to be in Natasha's book or not and see how that works out. Um, I wrote up a really cool RP story about why my Aarakocra has decided to become a disciple of Khonshu, <gasps> which is going to be a, a lost god, yes, from okay. the Marvel Universe, but yes, <laughs> um, of Twilight. And then I wrote this really cool thing up about understanding the difference between absolute dark and absolute light and there's power at the in-between and then there's power at certain times of day like when when the sun is down but the it's still just light out there a little bit the witching hour the haunting hour those kinds of things and i and i like i'm going to get to play on that a little bit with my character um and i love it so it's an aarakocra six level fighter arcane archer one level of cleric thus far so that was going to be pretty cool to play. We're going to see level three next week on Tuesday. So that's going to be interesting. Um, and then we played a ton of Baldur's Gate. So I played the wizard, the <laughs> fighter, the warlock. I'm going to try out this weekend the ranger I still have to try out. And then uh, was that it? Was there, There's got to be more than four. I think there's another one that I'm missing. 
um, that you can play. But I, I want them to bring in Sorcerer, Paladin, Bard, Bard. Druid, All Barbarian. Bards. No Barbarian yet. How do you do Rage in that game? That'd be pretty fun. Um, so I think that's going to be really cool too. So that's the game I played. I'm getting closer to starting up my game again, Revenor game. Um, yeah. Around our Dwarven uh ranger who wants to create a mine and what kind of troubles happen when you start to dig into the deep of the mountains we had you start i hear you find a little bit about that so yeah yeah we started talking a little bit about that but that was the the ideas i was starting to think about or even like somebody brought up you know the mines of moria you know they yeah the dwarves dug too deep and when they dug too deep what happened yeah Gotta watch uh, so out for I, those I to uh, Balrogs of Morgoth. Balrogs, yep, there you go. So I, I'm going to be interested in playing that a little bit and seeing where that goes. Um, but I also want to play um, some of these games that I've been buying Yeah. Uh, just to finish our show out. I do want to do some of these um, campaign settings. So I'm still looking at maybe doing a Tolis campaign okay. when I finally get that book from Monty Cook. Um, or maybe one of these other ones I've just bought, this Godforsaken one I just picked up. I think it'd be fun to get back into Cypher System and play a really fun. It's called Godforsaken? Yeah, Godforsaken. Because okay, I'm like, that's like a joke. Like, ah, oh, we got to play in this Godforsaken campaign setting. Like, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there you go. My dog is barking. Oh, no. Is it my internet? Jordan, that is all I have for Dungeons & Dragons. Oh no, you're going back and forth. Yeah, my She's internet connection is unstable. It's awful. Okay. Uh, thank you guys <laughs> so much for away. watching. We will see you next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show and hopefully better internet. Sorry about that, everybody. Uh, take care. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.